Hello, true believers. Joshua Gilliland here, as always, with Jessica Peterson. And tonight, we will discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Jess, how you doing? Hey, Josh. I am good. I am very gung-ho about S.H.I.E.L.D. at the moment, I have to admit. Earlier this season, I kind of lost interest for a while. It was getting a little bit slow. You know, I love Agent Coulson, love Agent May, love Joss Whedon. So I was trying to stick in there, um, but I did lose interest for a while. But then I kind of binged on the most recent five or six episodes and uh, leading up to last night's episode. And it really got me back into S.H.I.E.L.D. mode. That and, of course, the whole, you know, tying into Captain America, too. Um, even the whole trailer last night that I thought was part of the show for a while got me all riled up. How about you? Well, as it should, because it's Captain America, and there's nothing awesomer than that. So that's well. I'd say Wonder Woman's more awesome, but that's you versus me. (laughs) You're entitled to your opinion, and that's cool. And I'd have no problem seeing Diana and actually. But you can't get their act together to do that. So let's focus on what we got. And all right, fair point. uh, I've watched every episode of Agents of Shield. Uh, I really do love it. I've been, I don't want to use the word frustrated, but it's taken time and something should have moved faster. And yes. I think it took them a, a while to figure out their, get their bearing, get their sea legs and get their stride. Cause the last half a dozen episodes have been pretty strong and they, they keep getting, they have, yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, part of it is the story. And I understand they were trying to develop certain backstory. And I'm a big defender of the long arc. I don't like it when the networks pressure these shows into being kind of the episodic. You need to have a, you know, beginning, middle, and end to every single episode. Like, you know, that ruined Alias for me. Um, certainly hurt other shows as well. So I'm okay with the long arc and developing the big bad and all that kind of things. But at the same time, you do need to have enough action and development in each individual show to keep you interested. And I think they were struggling with the overall plot and some of the characters too and I think they've gotten you know Sky was a character that I think they struggled with at first and I really started to like Sky. Um, you know, everyone loves Agent Coulson. I love Agent May. I think Ward is a big character that they need to figure out more of a backstory for right now. I think from my perspective he's the most boring character at the moment. Yeah and watching interviews with him and him interact he seems like a really nice guy. So I, I don't know what the issue is, but they, that's definitely an area that they can improve upon. Uh, I have enjoyed the arcs that they've done with Coulson. And uh, there, there's been lots of it with lots of geek shout outs. You know, they made one reference in tracks that stated what happened to the abomination after the Incredible Hulk. Whoa, I miss that. One throwaway line about sending Ward to go guard uh, Bolowski's cryo cell in Alaska. Well, that's the, oh, right. That's the abomination. Oh. And so that means they put the abomination in suspended animation because how else would you do that? Which got me thinking about, you know, cruel and unusual punishment because he did go on a killing spree. He did kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So how do you imprison somebody that is almost indestructible and can knock over a building. And so you can't, you know, solitary confinement can get into issues of cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, Is there uh, an eighth amendment duty to cure him because there are eighth amendment cases that get into uh, treating for medical conditions. And what he does have is a medical condition that was the result of work. 
that drove him crazy. You could also say that that was also done a free will because I'm pretty sure attorneys for the insurance companies <laughs> been executed. But how do you execute a guy like that that doesn't get into maiming and all the things that we don't like because you need to use a nuclear weapon or launch him into the sun, which no one's been executed that way, but I really don't think we want to test that. Well, that's true. And actually, ironically, if it is a mental condition, I know from um, some friends and family who get involved with it, sometimes the civil commitments for mental health issues are actually, I think, a much bigger legal concern because you basically are put outside of the typical judicial system where you have due process rights and everything. You basically are committed until some doctor is willing to put, you know, his or her license on the line and say, yeah, I think they're safe to be, you know, part of society again. And so you have people who are locked up in mental hospitals, basically for life, because at one point they had some mental issue that was a concern to the society. Um, so I guess he could be, you could almost argue he's in that same sort of world as a lot of these people who are put into mental hospitals for decades. It is sort of a suspended animation where there are no rights, no due process. Ah, so look at that. He's, uh, he's in the same boat as some of those poor people. It just shows it's not easy being green. <laughs> All right, Kermit. Um, which, of course, references the Muppets movie, which my kids really want to go to, as do I, and we've got to get to it one of these days. Um, but wow, yes. Dearest, you haven't done that yet? I haven't. We just saw the Lego movie. I'm behind, okay. and I still have to see Mr. Peabody and Sherman, and there are too many movies, too many kids' movies to see, Captain America, plus the badges are in the final four, so that's screwing up all of my weekend Captain America plans. Yeah, that is pretty horrible. I'm sorry you're going through that. But let's, let's, <laughs> let's get back to some of the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Oh, yeah. What about Again, I, I have very conflicted feelings on this because part of the episode I loved and part of it, I didn't like the message. Which was? Uh, with Lorelai. Because how do you defeat the bossy woman? You put a muzzle on her. Oh, good point. I do not like that. As a bossy woman who tends to talk a lot, you're right. That was cruel. So, and it was like right after International Women's Day too. It was like a really messed up timing. And... And it didn't even pass the Bechtel test because when uh, uh, Sif and Agent May are talking, they're talking about their man. And I so know that's true. It's just like, it. Yeah, so that the, those elements frustrated me. On the flip side, of course, it was a whole men are weak and are easily swayed by, you know, a pretty woman's words. So you could say that it was offensive to both sexes, which at least if you're going to be offensive, be offensive to both. And while we're on that episode, you're right. I think I did. I wasn't that crazy about Lorelai. And I kind of what we talked about the the horrible plot twist that, um, you know, they know that men are susceptible to her voice. It's like, all right, we're going to go take her down with a whole bunch of men. And we're not even going to put like cotton stuffing in their ears, much less some, you know, cool gizmo that Fitzsimmons could come up with. We're just going to send them in and be like, I'm sure you'll be fine. Just ignore whatever she says to you. Like that plot idea was just, it's like, let's not be stupid. I understand that you need plot developments, but come on, it's the Whedons. I expect a little bit more from the Whedons and that sort of, we're going to be so dumb, we're going to send men in to listen to her talk. And it's not like there are women in S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, May on her own would have been better than sending in Coulson and Ward with her. And there's local sheriffs who are like, and Coulson's like, hey, do you have her captured in there? Like the sheriffs wouldn't have already been turned. Yeah, that was, that was like really, really dumb being able to go, hey, this... 50% of the population can be victimized by her, and she's raised armies in the past just by telling guys what to do. So let's send in some dudes. 
that. With guns. That's sending dudes with guns to go try and take her down. I know. That can't possibly turn against us. It's not like they went in with a shoot first mindset either. Because right. if he's done that, there could have been some action. And to their credit, they did send Sif in. So at least they acknowledged we should send in women who will not get affected by her. But they, they blow it. And like that really bothered me of sending the full tack team of women. Yes. And, and granted, maybe they weren't, I don't know what they were thinking, but that just seemed like. Put cotton in their ears. Put headphones on. They're those fancy Bose noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> I just, Get some of those at Best Buy before you go Raider. You know, I, I totally love Jamie Alexander because she, you know, is not the, you know, dressed up as a bimbo. She's wearing full clothing, full body armor, the way somebody going into battle would be dressed. You don't see her midriff. And she rolls heads and gets the job done and is an excellent warrior. Not only that, she seems like a really nice person in all the interviews and everything. So it would have been nicer if there was a completely different villain for her to fight. For a better villain, a better plot. I do agree. She was by far the best part of that episode. I am now a huge fan of Lady Sif and of Jamie Alexander. She was. She was, you know, still gorgeous, attractive, like every girl wants to be her, every guy wants to be with her kind of thing. Actually, a bunch of girls probably want to be with her too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she was super strong and badass, and I just loved her. And tell me, well, tell everyone again what you said, Why one of the reasons why you think she's so nice. Well, if there was right before Thanksgiving, I think it was actually on Thanksgiving Day, she went to one of the uh, children's hospitals in Los Angeles, you know, in costume, and spent the day being nice to kids who are fighting disease. Aww. You, you need more of that in this world. And there are a lot of, actors who do that you know garfield you know does that you know goes above and beyond and is nice to kids and helps others and so when you see stuff like that they should get the shout out because you know they know their fan base uh the other one was matt smith who was the last doctor Uh, uh he was in texas for a convention and found out about a one of his biggest fans four year old with a terminal brain tumor and you know back in england and he shot a little video for the kid on his phone and put it out on youtube and made the kid's day oh so there are people who take that step to be kind in science fiction and peter capaldi did, did did one too not too long ago with with two very young doctor who fans and just being uber cool to them so when you yes the jamie alexander's the matt smith the peter capaldi's who are awesome human beings we want to see more of them. So I'd really like to see a Lady Sif TV show, be it in primetime or on Netflix. I would love that. Because also that character, I think. I think there's clearly some very interesting backstory there. And, of course, I've always loved Norse mythology. Um, coming from northern Minnesota, I think I have to. But, um, but yeah, so I would actually love to see a whole show based on Norse mythology and her and the warrior thing. That would be fantastic. I, and I, it would work. And I think it would. I think it would Games work. of Thrones and all that right now, I think it would be very huge. It, all right, somebody, please listen to us. <laughs> if we had the power to greenlight anything, <laughs> we would totally do that for you, but we're Jamie, lawyers. we'll start a Kickstarter uh, thing for you. <laughs> we, we could do the paperwork. That, we could probably <laughs> We could do that 
exponentially well. So if you need things filled out, forms, we gotcha. Um, but now we should probably get back to shield again. We keep wandering the field. Well, let's, back let's, to shield. Let's talk about Tahiti. Ooh, magical place. Yeah, yeah, where it's okay to kill two guys doing their job in order to save your friend. And that bothered me because the heroes were the aggressors. True. Forced their way in to the base and killed the guys defending themselves. So they okay, wait. Did they actually use bullets or were they using the icers? I now kind of assume that they're always using icers. They were using real guns. So. Oh. You know, if they, because I mean, they shot one of them. So yeah, they, you're right. If they'd gone in using icers and at least pulled them out, I mean, if they'd used icers and left them there to die, that would have been worse. So, <laughs> I, it's, anyway, you cut it. I mean, that episode, that part of it bothered me uh, deeply because the hero should not be committing murder. That's there's, true. There's no valid necessity defense. You know, there could be a necessity defense to break in. They could make that argument. Right. But they have no necessity defense to kill people. And they can't argue self-defense when they're the aggressors who open fire. Who are trespassing. Go in. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. All right, you're right. I hadn't really thought that during the episode, but you're right. And that's how I watch the show. So with my brain thinking like that. So that that explains why I'm single. And <laughs> That's not why, Josh. <laughs> but, you know, that's how I see the world. That's how I think. And that I don't turn off the lawyer part of me. I'm always <laughs> constitutionally in common law and in California code. But so in other words, lady, he's a fun time at the movies. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> nope, nope, that's a being alone for a long time so i've been speaking of tahiti i did think going back to our roots of course of e-discovery um when fitzsimmons was they were trying to figure out you know how to track down what they needed and what had happened to agent colson and everything and also they decided you know there was what restricted access to some things but they're like we can do the you know virtual paper trail and they pull up that nifty they always do the 3d holographic things and i was like wow this is e-discovery on the coolest review platform ever it's just saying they're clicking on your mouse and doing some keyword searches, some date restrictions, some early case assessment. I'm like, I just want to go whoosh, pull everything up, push things around a few times, and bam, there's the answer. I'm like, the smoking gun. I loved it. So I'm very jealous of their e-discovery tools. I would argue it's the most ineffective e-discovery tool <laughs> because you've now created the digital warehouse that you have to walk around in. You know, being able to create an algorithm that could have identified things and still use visual analytics because visual analytics are cool because you go <laughs> these date ranges and then start manipulating that. That would have been awesome, but they didn't have any e-discovery people like us as consultants helping them out because why would any of them actually have done document review on their lives? Ah, lucky bastards. Yes. Uh, but again, predictive coding, I, I expected more out of Fitz and Simmons. They could have come up with a really nice algorithm, find what they needed. And it, you know, ironically, what they did would have worked in virtually all of today's review applications. <laughs> with the exception of the 3D graphic that showed the, you know, the physical island. That was, that was really cool. The binary numbers actually just turn into, yes, the, uh, the island. I'm like, Wow. 
that was pretty groovy. I like that a lot too. And that, that did stick out in my head of like, what a wonderful Lee discovery example that will never exist. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, then they went out and killed a couple dudes and that bothered me. Luckily, yes. None of my e-discovery reviews have ever turned out that, um, poorly, I guess. So I'm like, you know, I read about other mistakes, accidentally letting a privileged document get through, you know, or something like that. But yeah, um, actually ending up with your doc review, ending up with two people dead. Luckily, I've not had to deal with that. Yeah, that's, um, that would be bad. Um, that's my stress is in perspective. Yeah, that's, that would be extremely bad. I mean, I, doc review has driven people crazy. Um, <laughs> we know that's true. Uh, it's probably caused screaming. I, it's probably caused a few divorces. Um, but I don't think it's ever resulted in a shooting spree. And yeah. So, yes. so what else? So I know you're more concerned generally, I think, with the rule of law and shield than I am because I'm more willing to uh, just let it all go and kind of abandon my concerns with being a lawyer and the Constitution. But you are not because you stick to your vows 24-7. Yeah, which is ironic because I enjoyed 24 and you didn't. And yeah. for exactly the same reason. <laughs> kind of funky if you think about it. But so that – those issues do bother me because you see Sky perhaps just doing massive hacking into a system to find things out without a warrant, and that, that's bad. Uh, in The Incredible Hulk, you had S.H.I.E.L.D. monitoring all of the data communications taking place in order to help figure out where Banner was, and you can't get a general warrant on everybody in the United States. We kind of frown on that because we have this wacky little thing called the fourth amendment. And so those issues that when you take an oath to uphold the constitution and you're a law enforcement agency, and we can talk about that in, in, in a moment, you should be following the law. And by way of comparison, almost human, which was supposed to be in 2048 where society is a lot rougher they still had references to civil rights. And when a guy got arrested, he had his attorney appear by hologram to represent him. And so you can do it in a sci-fi show of being able to at least acknowledge the constitution and civil rights. And they really, they run over them pretty badly in the show. They do. And I have a couple questions, I guess, because there's one when is it agent, is it Garrett, who is Ward's former SO, um, when he's in talking to Quinn and basically says, you know, you're not going to get a lawyer, you're not going to get anything. And I'm like, all right, so what is Quinn? Is is he an enemy combatant? Is this like 24 where we can just torture people without regard and then certain people in real world use 24 as justification for (laughs) actual real policies? Yeah, but, okay, by way of comparison, when we do the rendition thing, we try not to get our actual hands dirty. We have our friend country beat the hell out of oh, somebody. Oh, that's so much better. Yeah, so we're not actually getting our hands dirty. I'm not saying that's right. That's just how we roll in that situation. Yes. Garrett, you know, was grabbing his tongue and slapping him around, and, you know, after Sky shot, May goes in and throws a couple good punches on him, showing that the ice lady does have a heart and she's upset Sky's dying. Yes. Uh, but we don't, okay, so there's like outright torture. You know, that's, I have a problem with that. I'm okay with torturing someone to find the nuclear bomb that's going to go off in the hour. Well, yes, but that's, yes, that's always the exception. That's really the case where we're actually doing anything. When, when the Senate was debating, you know, our torture standards. And, oh. 
And, you know, McCain, who knew a little bit about this, said, you know, if, if you guys want to do this, you have to know that there are repercussions and, yes. that, and that you can argue an exception. This had no exception other than just beating the hell out of the guy to get information. So mm -hmm. that, well, you know, the, the Quinn appears to be a U.S. citizen who's been living abroad, whether it's Morocco or someplace else, to escape U.S jurisdiction uh, but when we have soldiers and I don't necessarily agree with this but we follow the standards that we have they arrest somebody that they think is an al-qaeda member in Afghanistan read the Miranda rights and the fact that they've just completely blown over that bothers me well okay this gets to the deeper question because also, when Coulson was speaking to Quinn on the phone in an earlier episode before they captured him, it said something about if you ever, what, fly over or in a country where we have jurisdiction, to me, and I'm not the S.H.I.E.L.D. expert that you are, I'm never clear, is S.H.I.E.L.D. actually part of the U.S. government? Is it part of the U.N.? Is it part of NATO? Is it some other weird, like, multinational thing? Because to me, that line alone left the impression with me that S.H.I.E.L.D. is broader, bigger, beyond, different from the U.S. government, which then argues, you know, if we're affiliated with it, is it bound by our constitution, yada, yada. Okay, so there are a couple ways to look at this. If we go by comic book history, that S.H.I.E.L.D. starts out because Nick Fury fights in World War II with Captain America, and the story started in the 60s because Nick had the Infinity Serum, so that means he's just living a really, really long time and not aging. So he's seen every U.S. president since Roosevelt, comics. And so up until the late 80s, where you, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. was part of the U.S. government. Okay. Okay. Then when you ha we have find out about Leviathan, and we have Nick Fury, ex-agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and all of that hits the fan with things going sideways because it turns out that S.H.I.E.L.D.'s actually been manipulated and controlled by the same people who've been running HYDRA and AIM. Oh. There's a full-blown civil war and fighting, and, you know, it, it ends with, you know, a fight on the, the space station and Fury in a really weird bikini because uh, they're trying to extract the Infinity Serum from him, and that's really weird, and that left an emotional scar for my childhood. <laughs> Why the hell is he in there? That doesn't make any sense. And why do I find him somewhat attractive? <laughs> you know, like, I wouldn't want to wear that. How do you fight in that? So, I don't see the scientific purpose for this either. So, like, Is that like the same era where Flash, the movie Flash, wasn't he wearing like a silver Speedo or a gold Speedo at one point in that too? Maybe that was just like a whole late 80s kind of or an 80s sort of superhero thing. We're going to put our men in like these little tight Speedos. It, it was, I'm not all totally opposed to. I am. Um, <laughs> it was more reminiscent of that Sean Connery sci-fi thing from the 70s. What was it? Oh, God, I'm, I'm blanking on the name because I've repressed that. But, you know, that was, he's basically in like a red Speedo thing that has straps that go up to the shoulders. It's really weird. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, so it was a lot like that. Um, you know, it was weird. So after that, S.H.I.E.L.D. gets a new anachronym, even though it's still S.H.I.E.L.D., and they're, they're broader and it's a little more international uh, in flavor. And then when I hit high school, I stopped reading. So when we look at, at the, the movies, it seems to be kind of a hybrid. Now, okay. Homeland is in the title. That's right. The, that's the H. We get law enforcement division and all that good stuff, too. 
Okay. Here, uh, it was an outgrowth of the SSR, which created Captain America with Howard Stark and all of that that followed friend that, that's alluded to it in the Agent Carter short as well. And so it definitely has U.S. origins. And so if it is multinational, everyone still looks bloody American in it, with the exception of a couple Brits who were there, and they seem to be operating in the United States on U.S. bases uh, with a campus, at least one campus in the United States, uh, vehicles operating in the United States. Yes. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of the last episode, they were on the USS John Stennis, uh, the only Nimitz-class carrier named after a senator. That's what the big 74 means. So uh, nuclear Nimitz-class carriers are not coffee shops for shield agents. You don't just get to go hang out on one. So all of that would show that they are operating within the United States. There is no way in hell the United States Congress, executive branch, or Supreme Court would tolerate a foreign entity conducting law enforcement exercises in the United States. Back at the end of 2013, people started freaking out when the Russians wanted to put surveillance towers in the United States under the auspices of boosting their cellular signatures, in which people here went, uh, no. <laughs> Die. Good. Get out, Putin. Mm -hmm. So looking at that, if S.H.I.E.L.D. was operating in the United States, not following our Constitution, which is one of the, the supreme law of the land, the president should order all U.S. military personnel to shoot S.H.I.E.L.D. on site. The fact that they were flying around in F-22s and uh, strike fighters also shows that they're using U.S. equipment. Everything's in English, and they're all speaking English, which again makes me think that they're all coming from the United States. You cannot have a United States agency not following the Constitution. All right. Well, you have made a convincing pitch. I think now this is our second pitch of the day. Whedon Brothers, please listen to us and please at least, yeah, a couple of lines, right, to somehow acknowledge that they're either totally violating the Constitution or there's some special something that they get to do this under. Dick Cheney gave them the okay back in 2001, so it's all cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have to admit, I got a little distracted. Although I was very impressed by everything you said, it was Outland, and not only did Sean Connery have on like this weird red diaper thing with these weird red harnesses, he had a braid and he had thigh high boots on, and we are totally going to have to tweet out that picture because, oh my god, <laughs> it's wrong, is what it is. It's wrong. Like at what point did we say, you know what? Maybe we need to reevaluate the costume choices for this movie. I don't care if it's 1981. In any decade, this is like how much cocaine were they doing that they all like? No, this is great. This is great. This is gonna be awesome. This is great. <laughs> you and I had very different childhoods, <laughs> very different collegiate experiences, and very different. Hey. I know doing that stuff. I'm just saying that's the only reason I can think of. It's the 80s, and that was a really bad fashion choice. I'm blaming cocaine because there's no other reason that that could possibly – anybody could have ever looked at that and said, oh, yeah, that's the right outfit for this movie. That's a classic. It's horrible. So, <laughs> anyway, just imagine something like that on Nick Fury, and you can understand. He didn't have <laughs> – it was, it, was, it was weird, and I remember going like, what? Why? 
anyway, we're back to that. Well, let's we are, and I'd say one thing about Nick Fury really quickly that they tricked me with last night during this uh, most recent episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. where I totally thought that the Captain America trailer was part of the show because there's this whole thing of where's Nick Fury? Where's Nick Fury? Agent Coulson can't get a hold of Nick Fury. And all of a sudden, bam, there's this trailer. You know, Director Fury is like running down the street in his car. He's trying to get help. He's like, you know, bad guys are going after him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's actually making a cameo. Like Samuel Jackson is on TV making a cameo on shield this is freaking awesome and then no it was a teaser it was a trailer for the movie so i was like "Ooh, clever misdirect i actually think it was both oh i think it's incorporated in because the following episode plays off winter soldier and so you think next week's episode will actually play off of this weekend's captain america yeah all right because obviously they're leading to something big next week so ooh, interesting because all the previews for cap Again, the Winter Soldier storyline that they did, uh, golly, mid-2000s, before Civil War started, was jaw-dropping amazing. Ooh. And do 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 you know the premise of it? I have never been into any of the Captain America stuff at all. I've always found him very bland. I have to say in the, Avenger, uh, the Avengers, I started to get mildly interested. I haven't even seen the first Captain America yet. I've got to watch it this week before the movie comes out. Okay, so the quick overview. Uh, we, Captain America's sidekick in World War II was Bucky. And okay. there was the Bucky rule that, you know, that anyone who dies in the comic book can come back except Bucky. Well, they broke the Bucky rule, and I thought I'd be appalled, and it was brilliant. So what happened in the, in the comic book world and that they have done in, in Captain America is Bucky is, appears to have been killed at the, close to the end of the first Captain America movie, and they had him falling off a, a drone bomb uh, in, in the comic books, and that was established, and when Cap's dethawed, de- there's this lingering guilt because of Bucky's death. Okay. Bucky didn't die. In the comics, it's the icy water, he loses his arm, uh, the Russians were around, and they pick up his body, and there's you know, massive damage, and his memory's gone. And so... They build him a robotic arm. They realize he still has his training, his muscle memory, and they condition him to be an assassin. And they put him in suspended animation, and they dethaw him when they need him to go out and kill someone. And so in the comic, he has a long, bloody trail Oof. of being dethawed and you know bumping off a NATO general, killing a U.S. senator, and... You know, as this goes, and they, they call him the Winter Soldier. And the comics, they realize, because uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union, you have an ex-Soviet general uh, who is using him uh, to achieve his goals. Ooh. Yeah, and it is wickedly brilliant. And at the end of the, the storyline, Cap uses a cosmic cube to restore Bucky's memory, saying, remember who you are, which is a little much because he remembers everything that he had done. Right. Telling people. And so he goes off for a bit and disappears. And when Captain America is killed at the end of civil war, Bucky winter soldier becomes Captain America. Ooh. Yeah. So in the 
movie, it looks like they're probably doing the same type of thing. Also, which is good because Chris Evans just keeps whining about how hard it is to be in these Marvel movies and how he's going to retire from acting. And then, oh, I never said I'd retire. I'm getting sick of the whininess. I'm like, do you know how many actors would kill to be in your spot? So, dude, shut up. Wait, wait, go ahead. Yeah, so which is why that actor playing Bucky slash Winter Soldier has a nine movie contract as opposed to Chris Evans six. Aha. Uh-huh. So they'll probably. Yeah, you know, I was. Again, the entire storyline of Civil War was amazing. Captain America's death stunned everyone. I couldn't get that comic in the United States. I had Why? it because it was selling out. Wow. I bought it in Vancouver, Canada on a business trip. That was, I think, the last comic book store in North America that had it. I had to leave the United States. <laughs> In order to get the comic, and that's still one of my favorite comic book stores, that one in Vancouver is just awesome, but uh, it was jaw-dropping. There are fundamental changes in the Marvel Universe. They did a six-part miniseries called Fallen Sun, in which the author had actually lost his own son to cancer, and, oh. and the miniseries focused on different heroes dealing with each of the stages of grief. Wow. Responding to the death of Captain America. And it was wickedly brilliant. And then, you know, the fact that the Captain America comic book continued with the lead dead because all these things are in motion. And so you have different people trying to pick up the pieces, a lot of Black Widow, you have Falcon, you you have others who are running around, and Bucky ultimately picking up the shield. Wow. And so it is... Absolutely fantastic. It was a brilliant several-year arc that they had built. And it will be interesting to see what they're able to do and how much of those elements they pull into Winter Soldier. Because, you know, we know it will be different. Right. But, you know, they might pull in a little of, like, the, Levi- excuse me, the Leviathan element of S.H.I.E.L.D. train bad and the division within S.H.I.E.L.D., which we'll probably see kind of a civil war within S.H.I.E.L.D., as they're fighting each other uh, for the soul of S.H.I.E.L.D. Holy cow, so we've got a big week. We've got Captain America this weekend, which I actually am, I think mainly because of you and the trailers, really getting uh, excited about and looking forward to Captain America. I'm back on S.H.I.E.L.D., so between Captain America and then S.H.I.E.L.D. next week, this could be big. We're going to have some fun stuff to talk about here in the next couple of weeks. And so my prediction that we'll be seeing after next Tuesday night with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is following unlawful orders because under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, uh, I believe it's Section 90, you only have to follow lawful orders. And so right. you do not need to follow unlawful orders. And so with everything they set up with the fighting and Victoria Hand uh, being, looks like, the villain... Uh, I hope not. I'm hoping that's a misdirect, but they sure, sure do have it set up that way right now. Yeah, they do. And in the com- I'm thinking it's the guy from Lost. Who's the guy? Was it Blake? I don't think it's him. But I just because he was a bad guy on Lost. So in in the comic, after I mean, this could get really complicated. So I'm going to keep it high level. After Iron Man is no longer in charge of Shield after the Secret Invasion. Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, turns into you know in the head of Shield, and everything goes to hell in a handbasket. And they have what you know the the dark uh, dark siege, and it's it's very unpleasant. 
And it's basically every liberal and conservative nightmare come true about the police state and, and consolidating that much power. So it's, it proved Captain America right from Civil War uh, and bad things happen in that period. Well, she was Osborne's right hand in carrying uh. that out. And after Cap is brought back to life and Osborne's thrown out during the siege, uh, we have Cap puts hand in charge of running the Avengers because she was just basically doing her duty and following orders. So I don't know if there's some other force at play or if she is the mastermind, but it just goes to show don't trust a woman with that red streak of dyed hair. Um, I love the red streak. I'm totally going to try and do something like that. I think it's awesome. I do like her as a character so far, so I'm really hoping that she's not bad i even hope too if she is bad i hope she's a big bad then i don't want her to be just a henchman you know like make her the lead she's a strong woman i don't want her to be an assistant so that i agree with and i mean the actress who plays her is phenomenal at it because she is very strong and you know kind of the tough as nails approach and so yeah that would be if she is the villain make her the villain but i I think Robert Redford's character in Winter Soldier is the ultimate big bad, and I think she mm. second in command to that. So, All right. Well, we will see you next week if your prediction is right. I'm very excited. Some big geek stuff coming up here, Josh. So you and I will geek out, um, and uh, maybe we'll be in costume next time we talk. <laughs> I have my Captain America shirts, plural. <laughs> I have one now, thanks to you. <laughs> See, I'm an enabler, so <laughs> and I will go tomorrow night wearing one of them. And if anyone goes with me, I have spares. So, oh my God. ladies, how can you turn out a date with this man? <laughs> pick out a T-shirt for you. Yes. <laughs> and now it's time to wrap up before we get weird. <laughs> I'm have to sell the more I think about that. I, that should not have been out loud. So. <laughs> All right, well, have fun tomorrow night. Don't spoil it for me. I don't get to see it until this weekend. I got to say, go Badgers. Go Stanford, since the ladies are in the Final Four. And All right. Okay. Everyone, stay geeky, America. Stay geeky.